Pure domination from the Wolves tonight, 127-109 over the Pacers. And I got Wolves expert Jack Borman to help me break it all down. And it's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. T-Wolves moved to 19-5. and They jumped to 11-1 and at home. They take down the Pacers tonight, 127-109. What's happening, everyone? Back in the lap, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And before we jump into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode Brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. All right, brother, let's just jump right into this one. Lots to cover. Bottom line, though, Wolves move to 11-1 and at home. They continue to protect their home court. A little bit of back and forth, if you remember. Feels like a long time ago. Think back to halftime. A little bit of back and forth. Pacers' largest lead was six. Wolves' largest lead was five. That was at half. Cat doing the heavy lifting, 20 points at halftime. Ant started out 0-4, count them, 0-4, but four quick threes, though. Boom, just like that. Bang, bang, bang. He had 18 at half. That was, It felt like that was kind of the spark plug. I'm curious your thoughts on that, but it felt like that was the spark plug they needed in the second quarter. They end the night, though, those two, Cat and Ant, 77 combined points, eight assists, 14 boards, an absolute masterpiece from that nasty duo. You walk me through it, though. What, what's your biggest headline in this one as the Wolves beat the Pacers? How'd they do it tonight? Yeah, I think they they just played through the right guy at the right times, right? And I, and I think, you know, coming into this game, um, you know, I, I fully expected this to be a Carl Anthony Towns game, if you will. Um, you know, if you just take a look at, at who the Pacers have played, you know, the last two weeks or so, they've given up 31 points to Kyle Kuzma. Giannis has scored 64 and 54 in two games, two separate games. Jimmy Butler had 36, Jeremy Grant had 34, Pascal Siakam had 36. So not great. The Pacers gave up the most points uh, to opposing power forwards coming into this game. Um, and, and the Wolves just went right after him with Carl Anthony Towns, right? And, you know, Carl Anthony Towns you know, kind of like a, you know, a, a not super flashy innings eater that just kind of gets the job done, you know, gives you seven strong shutout innings. And then you just kind of get a flashier, you know, throws a fastball 105 miles, miles an hour, throws some nasty breaking pitches. And Anthony Edwards, the guy who just, when he gets going, you know, he just creates so much more energy. Um, and it's just such a unique superpower that he has that, you know, when he makes a shot or sees a second shot go through that, um, you know, he just turns it on and it just breaks the spirit of an opposing team. And there's no question that when, you know, when he saw that that first field goal go down with like 10 minutes left in the second quarter um, and, the, and then turns it on, he scores 12, 12 of the teams, or excuse me, I think he scored, uh, I think it was 16 of the team's last 22 points uh, in the second quarter, something like that. And um, yeah, man, when, when that jump shot is falling, he's pretty much impossible to to guard with the way that he's just able to toy with defenders and make such good decisions with respect to when to, you know, shoot from three and, and when to get, put the ball on the deck and, and get to the, get to the hole. So um, just really fun to see those two guys play off of each other. And they showed, I mean, this, this can be a really dangerous high potent or uh, 
you know, high caliber potent offense when, when those two guys are playing off of each other and, and just kind of taking what the defense gives them. Right. Um, and, and that's exactly what they did tonight. And it was, it was really, really fun to see those two. Um, and almost got the second time that those two have combined for, for 40 Ant was gunning for it. But um, unfortunately the scoreboard kind of necessitated that those guys take a seat uh, with, with five minutes and change to go. It, it felt like they were going to get pulled about six and a half minutes left, which it's like, okay, you guys put up 74, I want to say, and, and you get pulled with seven minutes left in the game. That's impressive as well. But yeah, they, they definitely tried to get Ant to 40. Um, but nonetheless, again, 77 combined points, unbelievable. Cat, 14th double-double this year, back on pace for that 50-40-90 season. That one-two punch, though, they just got it done tonight. 65% of the team's points when they finally checked out. Just an absolute masterpiece. I usually save this question for the end. I'm going to fling it out right now. Throwback court, throwback unis. How saucy was that combo, man? I can't get enough of it. I'd love to see the stats at the end of the year with each jersey. That That's the analytics that I'm looking for. Do you like that tonight? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. I've seen it in person, obviously, more than a few times. And um, it, it's just tremendous, right? I, I you know, And, and what I kind of judge it by is, like, how do people around the league view it? And yeah, people I know, right? around the league think that this is one of the best jerseys in the league. Uh, it's just so clean. Everything about it is perfect. Uh, the old Shep logo is fantastic. Um, and I think just every highlight looks better uh, when, when, you know, Ant or Cat or Rudy or whoever it is is wearing that jersey. So, um, yeah, the anti-Muskies jerseys. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love way. it. The comment section on fire as always. Hey, Mike Conley, by the way, gets a 6,000th assist tonight. What's that very say fitting. about how? Yeah, very, very fitting. fitting. Came on a Rudy Lobb. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what's that say about how good that guy's been? And, and what do you have to do to have that kind of volume and longevity in this league? How old is he now? 37? 36? Okay, 36. I'm pushing it. Sorry. I, Sorry, Mike. I don't know. I don't know. I One of the two. I Someone Google it and can, can look I'll check it up. It out. But, I'll check it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, obviously you got to take care of your body, right, to be able to play at such a high high level this, this late into your career. You've got to have just such a good understanding of, um, you know, of the NBA offense and, and how to take advantage of, of what any type of defense has given you. you got to know how to set up your teammates, um, you know, obviously be able to, to be fortunate to play along a lot, play alongside a lot of really great and talented offensive players, uh, which he obviously has done, um, you know, and, and obviously not turn the ball over. It helps when you have that high of an assist to turnover ratio, right? And the passes that you do throw, uh, you know, end up setting up your teammates for, uh, for success. So obviously it's, you know, just super great that, that he's been able to be a part of this thing and, and has played such a huge role in this team uh, playing as well as they have. And, and, you know, the other thing about Mike Conley, right? The Timberwolves are now 19 and five. He has played in all 24 games, mm. uh, which I, I don't think anyone would have expected mm. um, coming into this season, right? I think you would probably expect that, you know, for every 10 games, he probably sits one or two. Mm -hmm. um, and that just hasn't been the case so far. Like, you know, I think Chris Finch said at the beginning of the season, like you would have thought that that we needed to bubble wrap Mike Conley with the things they had heard about him coming into you know, before they, before they traded for him and it's been nothing but, but uh, you know, further from the truth in that, in that, you know, he, he really wants to play. He's, he's in phenomenal shape. Um, and he really knows how to kind of reduce the wear and tear on his body. Right. You know, he does a great job of kind of avoiding screens and um, and reducing the amount of contact that he takes uh, up there at the point of attack. So um, obviously it's really cool to, 
for him to be able to accomplish that uh, in a Minnesota Timberwolves jersey. And, and like I said, just really fitting that it came on a lob to, uh, to Rudy Gobert. Yeah, well said. Last game, we talked about the bench stepping up so much. Ant, 3 of 19, his worst shooting night of his career, literally. Tonight, it's the studs, obviously, Ant and Cat. I guess this team, it feels like they keep proving they can beat you a number of ways, which, you know, that's a mark of any great team. But at their best, right, when they're fully healthy, just playing at their peak, everything's clicking, what's their ideal style of of play like well like what's the number one identity they want to be known for and play like night in and night out offensively yeah offensively yep yeah I think honestly I I really don't necessarily think that they have an identity right now Mm -hmm. Um, and I think part of that is just because they attack you know the defense based on you know what what the defense is giving them right like they have enough they have enough firepower to be able to do that right and I think if, you know, they don't, if, if the defense doesn't have enough to guard Anthony Edwards off the bounce, you know, they're really going to go and play through Anthony Edwards. If, you know, they have a, a, a shorter center or a, a really poor pick and roll defender at the five, I think they're going to get more uh, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert pick and roll. And, and you see in a game like tonight, right, there's a smaller four guarding Carl Anthony Towns, Obi Toppin, one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Um, like I said, Indiana has allowed the most points to power forwards this season for a reason. Um, and they just played through Carl and just kind of let everything fall from there. Um, and I think then, you know, based on whatever your your first kind of bullet point is on the offensive game plan, tonight it was play through Carl. And then once they started helping more aggressively on Carl, right, Carl was able to get rid of the ball and, and more guys were able to play off the catch, attack downhill. Um, you know, it opened up a lot of, you know, extra pass opportunities. That's how Anthony Edwards kind of got going with some of those extra passes uh, to the corners and the slots for open three-point shots, um, you know, and then it's just an avalanche when you're, you know, able to swing the ball. The defense is expecting you to shoot threes. Uh, you're able to, you know, play downhill off the dribble. And the thing that I think a lot of people forget is the Timberwolves have a, have a lot of really talented three-point shooters. Um, the Timberwolves, 18 of 30 from three tonight, 60%. Um, outscored the Pacers 54 to 18 uh, from three tonight. And that was the biggest difference in the game. Um, if, if you kind of go and, and look around some of these stats, I mean, the Pacers outscored them 70 to 50 in the paint. Pacers had 17 second chance points to the Timberwolves eight. They had 16 fast break points to the Timberwolves two. Um, they had just as many points at the foul line. Um, they had 63 bench points compared to the Timberwolves 35. I mean, it was, the game was won and lost at the three point line. Um, you know, and when the Timberwolves were able to, to, to share the ball, um, you know, kind of allow the the gravity that their superstars have offensively to to make life easier for for all the complementary players. I think they're going to be a really really tough team to stop, and and you saw that tonight. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And and shout out uh, Dave Huggett over here. I'm going to throw it back up here in the comments section. Cat is such a different player now that the pressure is off, and his improvement and maturity are next level. What do you think the catalyst has been for Cat this season? And like, how much has the help of Ant and Rudy and Conley played in? to his ability to take his game to the next level. Because, you know, I think back, and you can speak to this far better than I can, but I think back, you know, to two, three, four years ago or whatnot with Cat, and and when it was just him every night, kind of trying to carry the team on his shoulders, it felt like at times it was exhausting for him. What's your two cents on that as far as Cat kind of from years past to this year and what you're seeing? Yeah, I don't really think anything is different offensively, personally. Okay. Um, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns has always been one of the best offensive players in the NBA. Um, he's, he's always done it incredibly efficiently. Um, and he's been incredibly consistent. I think a lot of people forget about that because he's injured last season. 
Um, so for me, what's really been different with Carl Anthony Towns has been his defense this year. He's been a very, very good interior defender, and he's never been that in his NBA career. He's always been probably a better defender in space than he has um, at the rim. And, I mean, you look at all the different you know data points, what the Wolves defense is like with Towns and Gobert both on, with Gobert on and Towns off, and with Towns off and Gobert off, or Towns on and Gobert off. I mean, all, they've been elite in, in all three of those different types of lineups, and so I think with Carl and being different, it all starts there. But offensively, I mean, when you have a point guard that's able to set the table and kind of get guys, you know, the ball where they like to work uh, and Mike Conley, that obviously makes it easier. And then for Carl, I mean, he's really been waiting. He really only had one season his entire career where he had another, you know, really, you know, potent, high caliber, uh, you know, just super efficient offensive talent mm-hmm. around him. And that was mm-hmm. the one year with Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, no disrespect to Andrew Wiggins, but Andrew Wiggins just was never that guy. And, um, you know, and I think now that Carl Anthony Towns has that and Anthony Edwards, I think a lot of people expected Carl to, you know, take offense to not being the number one guy. When in reality, I think Carl Anthony Towns is more excited that Anthony Edwards is this is this guy than, than anyone else, because, you know, it's less work for him. And, um, you know, and everything that, that he does offensively is going to come a little bit easier in terms of. He's going to get some more open shots. He's going to get more one-on-one opportunities. He's going to, um, you know, see less, uh, you know, you know, see less hands, less length in the paint um, because, you know, guys have to stay home on all the different shooters that they have. And and so I think in that regard, the game has gotten a little bit easier for Carl, but um, you know, he's getting a lot of his points in the same way, right? He's been, he's been a really efficient post-up player for the most part. Um, he's obviously been really efficient from three, but he's not shooting a ton of three point shots necessarily. And he's done a lot of his work on the drive as well. Um, and, you know, I think it just obviously helps. He's got more talent around him. So the defense can't uh, devote quite as much attention to him. And then when they do, obviously he's very good at, at being able to kick the ball out and, um, you know, get the defense from rotation and, and help get his teammates open shots. And, and we saw plenty of that tonight as well. Yeah, yeah, that that was well said. I mean, I can't argue nobody would. Like, the offense is the same with Cat. It feels like, though, there's a level of maybe maturity or just a little bit more polish to his game this year that maybe we haven't and, seen and consistently. And he's able to pick That's his all. spots. He's able yeah, to pick yeah. his spots a little bit more now, too, yeah. that he's not seeing quite as much attention. Yeah, no, well said. A uh, couple more on tonight, what you saw. But first, quick word from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you win just a $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any money line wager. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action, the app. It's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Let's pick back up here. Wolves now 15-1 and this year when leading after the third quarter. That's an incredible stat in itself. I feel like I ask you this every game, but just the turnaround. Jack, from last year to now, specifically in these third quarters, 
I personally am just, I continue to be amazed night in and night out. 15-point advantage tonight in the third. Uh, I think they hit seven of nine three-pointers. Took total control of this game going into the fourth. 38 to 23-point advantage in that third quarter. How much of the success is on Coach Finch and how much is just on the players executing the game plan? Yeah, I think it's really tough to suss that out, right? Because they've they've been in such lockstep really this whole entire season, and it's been it's been so so much fun to watch. Um, and you know, I, I think when you look at it, I mean, the Timberwolves are the second best third quarter team in the league this year. They have a net rating of plus seventeen point nine. Um, that trails only the Philadelphia 76ers of plus twenty two point eight. You know, I think a lot of it too has to do with like these guys hold each other accountable, right? And um, you know, if someone is doing something that you know, isn't helping the team or they're struggling or, you know, someone needs to change something. All these guys are, t- are more than willing to tell each other like, Hey Luke, man, you're, you know, you're holding the ball too much. You got to make quicker decisions with the ball or Hey, like, Hey you know, Jack, you're in the toilet bowl in your fancy football <laughs> league, man. Come on, man. You got to be better. dude. Come on. <laughs> um, you know, Hey, Hey, Carl, like, Hey, Hey, Carl's like, Hey man, I'm in the post. I'm getting doubled. Jaden, I need you to slot cut more to, to open stuff up or, Hey, I need everyone to come you know, show me an outlet so I can, I can throw the ball without turning it over. You know, those types of things are really important. And, you know, these guys are all more than willing to tell one, tell one another that, and, um, you know, and kind of sometimes self-correct some of those things, which is really huge. And, and you know, all these guys in the locker room really get along. And, and that obviously I think has a lot to do with it. Um, and, you know, I think this, this coaching staff too is like more than willing to just kind of rip up you know, what, what they did in the first half, if it wasn't working. Right. And and this is the value of being able to play so multiple on both ends of the floor. You can run a bunch of pick and roll with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. You can play isolation ball with Anthony Edwards. You can, you know, play five out with Carl Anthony Towns and Nasri at the five and just attack off the bounce and, and move the ball and try to shoot a bunch of open threes. Um, and then defensively, right. We've seen the Timberwolves go zone a lot uh, in the third quarter, which has worked, uh, especially against some of these younger teams that, you know, aren't quite as good um, realizing those things and making quick decisions with the ball and, and moving without the basketball. And um, and then two, like switching from a, from a drop, if Rudy's in there to getting, to getting Carl at the five and playing more at the level um, of, of the screen defensively. So the Timberwolves just being able to mix and match, you know, everything that they're doing has been huge. Um, you know, and I, and I think they've come out with a really crisp, crisp and clear offensive focus in, in most of these games. Right. You know, I think obviously, you know, they, they set the tone on the defensive end of the floor, but, you know, a lot of these third quarters, it's just like very consistent. Like we're going to play through Anthony Edwards if he had a tough first quarter or, or, or a tough first half. We're going to play through Carl Anthony Towns if he has a mismatch in, in the post. Um, and, and all those things have kind of combined to to create, you know, this this incredible third quarter run here that, you know, I think Timberwolves fans are still kind of waiting to come crashing down to earth um, just because of what we've seen in, in years past. So it's been really fun to just kind of see all the confluence of those things and the stars align and and see this product that that's really driving winning for the for the wolves. Uh, you don't need to give me a deep dive, but just because we're talking about these second half adjustments, they they kept saying on the broadcast a couple times in the first half the wolves were having some trouble on defense, maybe a communication thing, but just not getting any stops. I think the Pacers scored on like eight straight possessions there in the second, and just maybe lacked some intensity. Just curious, 20, 30 seconds if you saw anything specific and maybe something that they changed there tonight going into the third quarter, maybe that zone defense or something else that you already mentioned. Yeah, I think that they just really tried to, you know, I think show more attention to guys in the paint. And and I think when they when they did that, it it was tougher for for Indiana to um, you know, to pass the ball and get kickouts and 
and all those types of things. And I think, you know, when you think about how small Indiana was playing tonight, the more length that you can show them in the paint, um, just the tougher it is for them to be able to shoot over it, shoot around it, make passes uh, around the length or through the length. Um, those types of things made it really difficult. And I think the Timberwolves also did a good job of, of really crashing the glass and, and preventing Indiana from getting all these second chance opportunities, um, you know, that you saw in the first half. And, and obviously, you know, still allowed some second chance points in the second half, but I think, you know, overall it was much more, you know, clean and consistent, allowed them to kind of get out and run a little bit. And even though they didn't really score on the fast break, they still did, you know, a, a really good job of, you know, kind of getting into their offense a little bit earlier and, um, you know, and playing against some cross matches, um, you know, which obviously it's, it's tougher to get matched up when, you know, you're flying up the floor uh, after stops. So I think uh, those two things, you know, just kind of showing more length to guys in the paint and then uh, cleaning the glass and, and flying up the floor, I think was were, were two really big factors. That, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. That helps me out. Thank you. Um, how much did they miss Halliburton tonight? The Pacers, obviously, that is. Because that's the first time I've really sat down and watched the Pacers. And I, I, I get it with them. I see the potential when fully healthy. They can make some noise like we saw in the tourney just last week. Yeah, I think, you know, something that Jim P talked about in the broadcast, it was something that I brought up in my my preview over at Canis before the game, was that, you know, the Pacers play with the uh, the fastest pace in the league with Tyrese Halliburton is on the floor. And it does really drop with Tyrese Halliburton off the floor. Uh, they go to like, I think, second or third highest in the league when, when Halliburton is off the floor. And you saw that, right? Like TJ McConnell did a great job of pushing the pace uh, off of stops um, and even off of makes too. And so the earlier they're able to get into their offense, kind of get the ball moving and kind of create some of that kinetic energy that, that makes it you know more tiring on the defense and, um, you know, allows them to create some open shots, uh, you know, obviously is, is something that's still present without Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but Halliburton is their leading score, right? I think he's averaging like 23 or 24 points a game, something like that this season. Um, and, uh, obviously, you know, it, it's pretty evident tonight that they just don't have a go-to number two score uh, behind Halliburton, and that's been a huge problem for them. They've done a lot. You know, they, they've done a great job of scoring by committee this season. You know, you, you've seen some big games from Buddy Heald, from Miles Turner, from Bruce Brown, from Benjamin or uh, Benedict Matherin. Um, you know, even McConnell's had some big games, and Aaron Neesmith has had some big games. Um, but, you know, there's never been – one guy that's been super consistent behind Halliburton. And that's obviously where they missed him the most tonight. Um, you know, in three point shooting, right. You know, Halliburton is, is a fantastic uh, above the break three point shooter. So outside of the corners, those are the tougher types of threes to shoot. Mm. Um, and, and that's where like 40% of his, his nightly shots come from. And he shoots more than 40 or shoots better than 40% uh, on those above the break threes. And so that's obviously a lot of, a lot of scoring opportunities that, that just weren't there. And, you know, on a night when the Pacers only shoot 29% from three, um, you know, obviously they're missing those, you know, three, four, five, six threes a game that Tyrese Halliburton can give you. Um, so, yeah, I, I honestly don't know that this game would have been a whole lot different with Halliburton, um, considering he wasn't 100%. Um, you know, this team played in a track meet last night in Washington, D.C. Right. The Tough, brutal road trip they're on right now. The, the, the pregame total closed at 260 and a half, which was the highest in NBA history. Um, shout out to any of those of you who who had the under it landed on 260 flat uh, of which course was, vegas which, was, sick, an, which was an insane beat um if, if anyone had that that was that was a, a sweaty sweaty watch last night um but yeah i think that you know the pace of last night's game certainly had to play a factor uh and just how tired these guys were um, yeah yeah so it's it's obviously tough but, but yeah i think just not having 
uh, his scoring more so than anything because because he saw it tonight with no go-to no go-to score for the Pacers yeah no that makes sense I could see why they're going to be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch though again when fully healthy I get it uh, all right two more quick ones for you before we wrap up but first a quick word from Dave Quick reminder, tonight's episode is brought to you by Dave, because at one time or another, we all need a little financial help. That's why Dave is here to help. Dave can get you the cash when you need a hand in between paychecks, and Dave is the banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance money you need with no interest and settle up later. Download Dave today at dave.com slash locked on NBA. That's dave.com slash locked on NBA for $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash locked on NBA. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Let's go back to the comment section. Huge shout out to you guys every night, by the way. Love you guys. Always chirping in with a lot of great questions and comments. Let's go back to Dave. I got a question, says Dave. I like Jaden McDaniels, but he doesn't seem to be very effective on offense. And I hear his defense is extremely good. Can you please explain how he is good on defense? How he's good on defense or offense? It says defense, but you got to imagine offense. I, I would think that that means I, I would think that that means offense. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think we've seen offense, how good McDaniels, even as like a surface level fan, you don't need to watch too many games. Just the length and physical ability from him. You can see and, the defense on a night. And how he just doesn't ever too. get screened. He's Effortless. amazing at moving yeah. around screens, and he's one of the best mm -hmm. shot blockers in the NBA, independent of position. At any rate, his offense. Um, you know, you see with Jaden McDaniels, it's it's very rare that you see a guy that's seven feet tall move as fluidly uh as Jaden mcdaniels does um and, and you pair that with the handle that he has and it allows him to get to the rim he's a he's a pretty good finisher at the rim uh he's really long and that allows him to you know finish at some unique angles that a lot of guys in the league aren't able to mm -hmm. um and he often gets you know draws a matchup of like probably the worst defensive player on the on the other team and he's he's actually very good at being able to take advantage of, of mismatches uh off the dribble um, the problem with Jaden offensively this season is he just has never really been a hundred percent at all this season. So it's been hard for him to find a rhythm, but he also is a 40% catch and shoot, uh, three point shooter. Uh, and that's pretty valuable, especially when you're playing around, uh, you know, guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards that, that draw a lot of attention, uh, can drive and collapse the defense and you kick it out to shooters. Um, and I, and I think the biggest thing for Jaden is, is for him to be able to more consistently, you know, attack off the dribble and be able to give you 15, 17, 20 points on, on a night when either Carl or Ant uh, does not have uh, their best scoring night. And I think that that's the next step for him, whether he's able to develop that uh, this season. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, obviously, injuries are, are part of the game and it's really tough, especially after he played like 79 games last season mm -hmm. for him to already miss as many as he's missed. Um, so hope he gets healthy. But yeah, it's just all pretty rare to have all those things in a, in a guy that's legitimately seven feet tall. Um, and, and he's able to to attack closeouts when he is making three point shots and um, and either finish at the rim or or, you know, make 
you know, pretty simple reads uh, and kickouts to the other end of the floor, you know, keep the defense in rotation and uh, create some easy shots for his teammates. And, and he's one of the better transition finishers in the league. Um, and that's obviously really important, uh, especially when the Timberwolves are, are in situations where he's able to contest and release. So he contests a three-point shot and then releases up the floor and, and guys can hit him with outlet passes. He's been very good finishing in those situations. Um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, for more people, for people wanting more consistency from him, uh, I think that that's certainly warranted. Uh, I think, you know, it's just comes down to, I think, giving him a little bit of grace with, with some of the injuries that he's had so far this season and, and you know, how tough it is to really find a consistent offensive rhythm when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you're dealing with injuries like that. Right. No, that makes sense. And that's a great breakdown. Thank you, Dave, for the question. And and Mike over here says Jaden is a top three, at least three and D player right now. Who's the other top two, top of your head, just so I can start paying attention around the league. Who's another guy or two that's, you know, one of the best three and D players in the NBA right now, top of your head. Oh man. Uh, Derek white is a guy okay. uh, comes to mind for the Celtics for sure. Um, and, and then I think, um, uh, man, that is, as a, as a really tough Derek question. white though. Okay. Uh, Derek white and Jaden Derek, Derek, Derek white's the first guy that comes to mind. I think at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, it's, it's tough for me. I, to, I like it. No, I like it. Let's just go for one. That's all <laughs> I need. For little, give me That's like, a- two minutes and I'd give you a list of 15 guys. <laughs> I love it. All right. In the meantime, schedule coming up still doesn't let up heat Sixers, Lakers, Kings. That's Jimmy. That's Joel. That's LeBron, De'Aaron Fox, gauntlet, three of those next four on the road. Quick thoughts. When you hear that stretch after what you saw tonight, what's the number one thing that needs to maybe improve or just continue to be an area of strength for this T-Wolves team? Yeah, I think the biggest thing here for me is, um, you know, is just their ability to slow down superstar players. And and you've got, um, you know, a slew of them and, and they all do different things very well. Um, and, you know, obviously, Jane McDaniels availability will be really important. I think they can they can get away without having Jane McDaniels against Miami, um, just because I think you can put Anthony Edwards on Jimmy Butler putting Nikhil on Jimmy Butler. Um, you could probably even put Kyle Anderson on Jimmy Butler since Jimmy Butler isn't the most explosive guy in the world. Um, and, and then, you know, from there, I, I really think that, uh, you know, the Timberwolves can, can win, you know, string together wins against some of these teams. I think Philadelphia, if you're able to contain Joel and beat even the slightest bit, um, I, I think that the Philadelphia 76ers have a really tough time scoring when, when he's not, when he doesn't have it. I mean, he's had it in almost every single game that he's played in so far this season. Um, but they rely so heavily upon him offensively that, you know, if, if they're in a situation where they're just feeding him the ball and, uh, and he's not able to score as efficiently as he has this season, um, you have to like their chances there. I think, again, another situation where, you know, having Jaden McDaniels to be able to guard Tyrese Max would be huge. And then you could probably play that, uh, that spy Rudy coverage um, that they've played against the Nuggets uh, where you have Carl Anthony Towns on, on Jokic, in this case, Embiid, and then have Rudy Gobert kind of be able to sag off um, you know, one of the players on, on the 76ers, um, you know, maybe a guy like Tobias Harris, um, kind of see if he can make some threes, but if not, as a guy, that's not really going to kill you off the dribble. And then with the Lakers, I think it's, you know, just going to be a, a really fun matchup. I think with, with, uh, you know, Torian Prince and D'Angelo Russell coming back to target center. Um, obviously LeBron is, is LeBron. Um, you know, we'll see if, if LeBron wants to get up for that one. He hasn't, historically gotten up to play uh, games at target center. Um, 
and and obviously you know Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns have had some some pretty awesome uh, head-to-head matchups uh, in recent years. Um, you know, really since they they came into the league. Um, so it'll be really fun to see uh, you know how different uh, these superstars are and how the Timberwolves go about defending them and you know whether. You know, I think this will be three really good, unique tests in a row for the number one ranked defense in the league. And we'll see if they can come out the other side, still still ranked atop the, the leaderboard here in the in the defensive rating category, but also in the, the Western Conference standings, which they want to say the lead is now up to, to two and a half games. I believe um, so. OKC at halftime right now. No, I think you're right. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, three, three games, right? It now. is three. OK, so. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. They've handled it well thus far, but the Wolves, they still have on paper anyways, the toughest remaining schedule the rest of the way in December. So I know they built this nice little lead in the West right now over OKC, but a couple tough weeks coming up here, man, either way, that's going to really end up leaving the Wolves leaving December, I guess, very battle tested. Let's just put it that way. Uh, well done tonight, as always, man. Uh, Wolves swept the Pacers series in back-to-back seasons the last two years. They start tonight looking like they could do the same with just pure domination in the second half, thanks to 77 from Ant and Cat. Moved to 19-5 and on the season, 11-1 and at home. Uh, nobody else better in the NBA right now. Check the power rankings. They never lie. As always, Huge shout out to everyone that joined us on the postcast tonight. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. And quick reminder as well, go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter, at JRBorman13. Anything new since we last spoke? Just a few days ago, I know, but maybe we should be on the lookout for anything up on Canis Hoopus as of late that Wolves fans maybe might want to dive into. Yeah, hoping to to get a couple of different columns out over the over the course of the next week, ten days, as as the work schedule is a little bit a little bit lighter heading into the holidays. So I'm going to be looking at some some bigger themes that we've seen from the Timberwolves so far this season, and, um, and you know, and how it's feeling, one of the the best starts that they've they've ever had, and and how they can can hopefully can continue to keep it rolling here as they, you know, keep trudging along here in this this pretty tough tough stretch here in December. Yeah, love it, man. That'll do it for us tonight. Next on deck, it is the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler, Monday night in Miami. Join us again right here for the entire recap. And follow all our work over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. One more plug, too. If you haven't already, go check out Ben Beacon over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.